Hey, good morning. This is Pastor Sean Strickland, and I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. I see Timmy online. Congratulations on the birth of your beautiful baby girl. I'm really glad to. Um, good morning. Uh, let me. This is Pastor Sean Strickland. I got it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? What's up? Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? We got somebody from Vegas already this morning. Y'all know what I want you to do when you come in. I want you to tell me where you're watching from. Uh, we have our Instagram family um, this morning. We have our um, we have um, Facebook, YouTube Live. We have um, Twitch and Periscope. So there are a lot of places that you can watch us. We're really excited that you're here this morning, excited about the Word of God. We love the Word of God. Um, it will change your life if you allow it, if you allow it to permeate your heart. And so I'm super excited to be here this morning teaching with you. You know, let's see who we got. We have um, we have Letitia. What's up from ATL? We've got my cousin Devonda from Camden. We have people from Springdale. We have people from Vegas. Let's see. Good morning, Ebony. Good morning. You know, I'm going to say all my good mornings, and then when people come on, I'm just going to be teaching. Amen? And so while we're doing that, let me give you some weekly announcements. Let me give you some of our weekly announcements. want to just encourage you guys um, to be safe out as you go out in, um, in the community. We believe God for divine healing and divine protection, but we also thank him for divine wisdom. And so we continue to pray for the many people that have been impacted by this virus, people who have lost loved ones, people whose bodies are still recovering. And we want to do everything that we can um, to position ourselves to stay safe. So I just really want to encourage you to minimize your contact going out. Don't go out if you don't need to be out. I mean, realistically, there's nothing that you need that you got to bombard TJ Maxx for. You're out. Um, and just something, some of the practical things, remember that you don't want to, um, you don't want to um, wear your gloves from place to place. Amen. So I want to give you our weekly announcement and, um, and let's just, and then we'll get into the word. Pastor Evans going to come in here and um, say good morning to you guys this morning because y'all know that when he was teaching by himself he made me come say good morning every time so he's gonna come say good morning to you guys and then we he can we can do the announcements together we gotta unlock her she's gonna bark okay all right all right good morning and welcome to everybody who is watching us this morning as you know this is week number nine is this week nine week nine a fellowship of wow. champions e-church service so we for those of you who've been here all nine weeks bravo to you thank you for hanging out with us uh for these nine weeks and we hope that even when we go back to our uh regular meeting service that you will still join us we have figured out a way to uh, make sure that this continues to happen and so we're excited about that just a reminder that we are fellowship of champions and we are a church teaching you to walk in love live by faith, faith and experience god's prosperity in every area of life so, as you can see, I got my Morehouse shirt on today. That is a celebration to all of our graduates, whether they were graduating from high school or from college. We salute you. Congratulations. Uh, we know this was a very non-traditional kind of graduation for you, 
but graduation nonetheless. So job well done. Uh, congrats, at a boy, at a girl. Uh, way to go. We look forward to the wonderful things that are to come in your life. Amen. Amen. And so you've already talked about what the weekly services. Of, of, I have a have you know, oh, okay. All right. Well, just a reminder, real quick. Uh, we do have opportunities for you to get uh, involved with our weekly services. Typically on Mondays around noontime, Pastor Shun does her Mindset Monday. Uh, and even though that's not necessarily FOC related, it is FOC related because she is FOC. Uh, so we encourage you, uh, if you have lunch time around that time, that you would do that. Uh, as a reminder, on Tuesday nights, right here on this Facebook channel, uh, you can join us for Corporate Prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, you can come right back to that same Facebook channel uh, right here, or you can actually join Pastor Raphael Marlowe's personal page. Uh, either way, and you can join us for Wednesday night refresh Bible study. And his teaching's been really good. Been really good. Been I've been really I've seen good. a lot of testimonies. People talking about how people actually eat, actually um, send us messages about his message. Yes. Uh, and so he, he always does us proud. So I encourage you to set your reminders for that. It is at 8:30. 8.30 Central Standard Time. And then, of course, on Sunday mornings, uh, it just wouldn't be Sunday morning if you didn't get up and log on at 9.30 uh, to Kristen Valley Worships. Go to her page uh, and join us for worship at 9.30. And then, of course, you can come here at 10 o'clock and join whoever is teaching here. Uh, the next several weeks will be Pastor Sean. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so the, so the next two. several weeks will be Pastor Sean. Right. Uh, at some point today, we will put up on the screen. We have multiple ways to give. Uh, we thank you for those of you who sow into the ministry. We thank you for those who sow into our lives. We thank you for those of you who sow into our scholarship fund. We won't spend a lot of time talking about that right now. Uh, but praise God for that. You can give through PushPay. You can give through Givelify, Tidely, or even Text to Give. And we'll put that information on the screen later today. Um, do want to say again congratulations to the four graduating high school seniors that we have at Fellowship of Champions, right? right. That's an additional $40,000 we will be dedicating over the next four years to this yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so shout out to David and to, to Terry and to Marcus and to Ariana. So we uh, salute each of you and look yes. forward to uh, the end of July when we are giving you the first part of your scholarship money. So praise God for that. Uh, and then lastly, I'm going to get out of the way so Pastor Sean can start teaching. We do have a way if you want to be a virtual partner now. Mm -hmm. You can be a virtual partner if you so desire. Is All you have to do is you can simply go to www.focchurch/hashtag-connection. You say, wow, I can't remember all that. Don't worry. We'll put it in the comment section. We'll pin it at the bottom. Once you go there, you simply fill out your information to let us know that you want to be a partner. And we say partner for, for member, right? Uh, so if you want to be a member of FOC, a virtual member, a virtual partner, uh, we use the word partnership, and you, you'll be able to do that. And so uh, if you don't know, if you're out of town, you're out of state, and you don't know when you'll be able to make your first visit to FOC, there's a part at the bottom that asks you that. Just simply skip that part if you're not sure. Fill out everything else, and you know what? We'll be sending you a big welcome package, welcoming you to Fellowship of Champions. I think that's all of our morning announcements this morning, so I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to go play producer this morning so that you all can uh, get this word. God bless you, and I'll see you guys later. All right, all right, all right. Praise God. Pastor Elwin, thanks for your help with the announcements. Um, I'm super excited to be here this morning, and just, you know, it's interesting 
because we have two cameras going. And so if you're like, oh, it doesn't seem like she's looking at me. It's like we've got one camera right here, one camera that's a little higher up. And so I'm going to try to remember to look at both those cameras. But so today I am going to pray and then I am going to be talking about being more, more than a conqueror. How many of you want to be more than a conqueror? How many of you believe that it's the will of God for you to be more than a conqueror? So I got both my Bibles. I got a lot of scripture today. And I want—I really want to encourage you to stay with me. I want to encourage you to stay with me because I want to show you um, beginning today really how to understand the will of God for your life and how also how to understand how the enemy attacks all of us. Say all of us. No one's immune from these attacks because the Bible says if we're not ignorant of his devices, we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. And Paul said, because if we're ignorant of his devices, he gets an advantage over us. And so I just want to expose some of his tactics this morning. And I want to give you some tools that will help you. So I encourage you to stick with me. But let's pray first. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your provision. You daily load us with benefits. You daily supply everything that we need. And so we thank you for our daily supply today, including our supply of word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and do what only you can do, which is lead us into all truth, that all of the scales will be broken off of our eyes, any place that we are in ignorance or deception, that we would be transformed. For you said in your word that anytime we can see, hear, and understand that we would be converted and we would be healed. So I thank you that the word of God will produce healing today. It will produce healing around soul issues and physical issues and relational issues and financial issues because there is nothing that your word does not touch. It is more powerful than any two-edged sword. It has power to bring itself to pass. And so we thank you in advance for all of the testimonies. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to go ahead and give God some praise for the testimonies. Have expectation as you sit around the word. Always, I really want to encourage you anytime you um, are in, have an opportunity, whether you're studying the word or listening to the word or meditating on the word, have an expectation to be changed. Have an expectation to be changed by the word because the word has the power to change you. It has the power to change me. It is more powerful than anything that is happening ever, anywhere, any situation, any scenario. And so you just want to have an expectation. Amen. So if you got some expectation, let me see your hearts this morning. Let me see your love that you are full of expectation that God is going to speak to you today and that deliverance is going to come. I'm just going to challenge you. You know, I love the word of God. It's interesting. I got a message yesterday and someone asked me, they said, you know, I believe that I've been called to preach. What should I do? And I said to them, you need to fall in love with the word of God. And it's so interesting to me, you know, that many of us haven't fully been taught or fully understood the value of the word of God. And so while we really, we love Jesus, we love to worship, we love memes about Jesus, we love memes about worship, we love to shout, we, we love that. But do we really love the word and do we really understand the value of the word of God and how it is designed to change our lives? So y'all know I'm going to act just like we at regular church. So I need you to say to your Facebook neighbor, to your IG neighbor, to your Periscope neighbor, say the word has power to change my life. The word has power to change my life. 
any bondage in our lives is a word issue. And I know that some of us are going to, we get offended by that. We, we don't like to hear that. But any issue in our lives, it is a lack of word issue. We have to get the word in our lives to such a degree that it begins to push out everything that's not, that doesn't agree with what God has said about us. So we're going to look at some scripture this morning. And I just want you to walk with me. Let's start with Romans 8 and 37. Romans 8 and 37. In that passage of scripture, Pastor Edwin used it a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about, you know, it's saying that all of these things that may come, death or life or perils or tribulation or whatever may happen to you, that it's important for you to understand that nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Say, I am more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror. He didn't say we just were conquerors. He said we are more than conquerors. Praise the Lord for that. You know, a conqueror is an overcomer. A conqueror is a person who gets victory over life circumstances and situations. When we think about someone being a conqueror, Synonyms for that is we think about them being a champion, fellowship of champions. You are a person who overcomes. 1 John 15, 57, it says, thanks be to God who has given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Shout, I got the victory. See, because I really want to get you stared up and full of expectation that you are more than a conqueror and that you have been given the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I love first, I mean, first Corinthians 15, 57, because it tells us how our victory comes. Many times as human beings, we try to get our victory by our own human efforts, by how well we can plan, by how smart we think we are, by how well we think we maneuver. But he says, your victory, come thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about this. If we're using words like victory, if we're using words like conqueror, if we're using words like overcomer, then that suggests to us that we are in a battle. We are in a battle. That means that there must be some prize that we're competing for, right? There must be something that's going on that is necessary for him to use the words like overcoming, you know, 10, 2 Corinthians 2 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. So these words warfare, let us know that we are engaged in a battle. And so what I want to talk to you today about is how to overcome, to walk as an overcomer, to walk in victory in whatever battle you're facing. Let's go to John 10 and 10, John 10 and 10. We're going to learn some super cool things today that are really going to equip us to help us to walk in victory because it is the will of God. It is the will of God for you to live in victory. It is the will of God for you to live in victory. Now, in John 10 and 10, this is a very familiar passage of scripture, and it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes only to, in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, that you, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In the Amplified, it says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So right here, we understand 
a very clear distinction between the intent of the enemy for humanity and the intent of God for humanity. He says, look here, the job of the enemy in his kingdom, he has a threefold strategy. That threefold strategy is to steal, it is to kill, and it is to destroy. And it says, and Jesus has a strategy, the kingdom of God has a strategy, and it is for you to have life. So the war that we're involved in is whether we are going to have the God kind of life or whether we're going to be defeated, worn out, stressed out, vexed, oppressed by this enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now understand, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's talking to the people who are listening to him, and he's saying, I have come that you might have life, but someone else is involved in this who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is not saying something new. This is not something new. This goes back to the beginning. So we want to go back to the beginning. We want to go back to the beginning. What we find is that the heart of God has always been to have sons in the earth. Now, when I say sons, I don't mean men. I mean sons as in children. Sons represents a position of authority. So don't get upset, women. Don't think I'm excluding you. That word son, we are included in that. He has come. He wanted sons. He already had a host of angels. He already had a host of servants, but he wanted sons. He wanted someone that looked like him. I need you to say to your Facebook neighbor, I was created to look like my daddy. That was his original intent, that we would reproduce him in the earth, that he would be in heaven and we would be a reproduction of him in the earth. Now, I'm going to show that to you if you will go to Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28. I am created to look like my father. I am supposed to look like my God. I am supposed to be a reproduction of him. I am supposed to be a representative of him in the earth. When you see a believer, when you see a child of God, you should see the father. That's what Jesus said. He says, when you see me, you see the father. Why? Because I only do what he tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say. I only go where he tells me to go, right? So let's go to Genesis 1 and 26. In Genesis 1, 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that creepeth on the earth. This was God's original intent. It's God's mandate for humanity. And tell your neighbor, say, and nothing has changed. And nothing has changed. So God said, listen, he creates the earth. In the Genesis 1, he creates the heavens and the earth. He makes the garden. He puts everything in its proper place. And then what he does is he says, I need somebody who looks like me. He's talking to the Godhead. The, the, it's the Father, Son, and the Spirit having the conversation. 
He said, let's create somebody who looks like us. Let's look, create somebody who looks like me. So it says, and he created man in his image. Say, I am created in the image of God. Yes, I'm going to have you talk a lot. Why am I going to have you talk so much? Because you need to understand that the biggest words that change your life are the words that you hear yourself say about you. And you're going to find that one of the strategies of the enemy is to get us to say things about ourselves that do not agree with God. He wants us to say that we are poor. He wants us to say that we are depressed. He wants us to say that we are sick. He wants us to say that we ain't nothing. He wants us to say that we struggle with this sin or that sin. He wants us to take an I am position for our identity that goes against God because that is really his only power to steal our identity is to get us to come out of agreement with God and into agreement with him. Now, I'm just going to show you this, but I got to go back to 26 because 26 is actually my favorite verse out of this. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. That's good. I'm made in the likeness of God and let them have dominion. I was created for dominion. I was created not that life would dominate me, but that I would dominate life. Now, notice he doesn't say we should have dominion over other people. That's not what he gives us range to here. He says, you should have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over all of the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. My spiritual mother, Apostle Brace, and says, I have been given authority over all of the creeps. So wherever the creeps are in life that are bothering you, you have dominion over them in Jesus' name. So God's desire is to reproduce himself in us. Now, anybody who's a parent, you know what this looks like because we have this new thing that's going on now, meaning relatively new in the last five years, that people want to identify their kid as their mini-me. How many of you have ever seen a kid that, that some parent is saying, this is my mini-me, and you're like, that kid don't look nothing like you. That kid looks like their daddy, or that kid looks like their mama. There is something inherent in humanity that we would reproduce something that looks like us, and we got that from God, our Father. His desire is for his children to look like him. Now, just like when we're out here and we see somebody who says that their kid is their mini-me and we like, child, that does not look like you. We want to position ourselves so when people see us and we go, I'm a child of God, they don't say, you don't look nothing like your daddy. That's very, very important. And we need the right tools to be able to do that, right? So we're created in the image of God. We're created in his likeness. God's heart is to have sons and daughters who look like him and who move like him and who operate like him so that his will of us exercising dominion in the earth can still be done. But hold on. How many of you know that every good Marvel movie always has to have a villain? Well, there is a villain in this humanity story. There is a villain in this story of family. God is creating a family. That was his intent, to create sons and daughters that look like him, right? And then there is a, a villain. Inner scene two, there is a villain. And so let's go to Genesis 3 and 1. Genesis 3 and 1. We're going to look at Genesis 3, 1 through 5 because I want to begin to show you the strategy of the enemy because nothing about the enemy has changed. He does not have any new tricks. 
Even when he's coming against you, when he's getting you off course, he doesn't use new tricks. He uses the same thing. And so what we want to do today is we want to expose him so you can begin to walk in dominion and see his plots and plans. So think about this. God creates Adam and Eve. He creates them first before the foundation of time. He creates them on the inside of him and then he gives them bodies, right? And he said to them, I, you're created in my image. Your goal is to look just like your daddy. Now, you know if you got a good daddy or a good mama, you want to look just like them. My grandmother, Uola Johnson, raised me. And one of the greatest moments of my life is when people who knew my grandmother say, oh, you act just like Uola Johnson. That is such a tremendous blessing to my life because if you have a good parent, you want to look like them. Or you ought to want to look like them, right? And so the great, especially the older I get, when someone says, oh God, you sound just like um, Uola Johnson, or you move just like her, or she would be so proud of you, that stares my heart. So as children of God, our desire should be to look like our daddy. Our desire should be to look like our daddy, to look like Abba, to move like Abba, to to operate like Abba, to show up like he does. But we have to understand that in this plot, to in this story, we have an enemy, right? So God says to Adam and Eve, you're just like me. You have dominion, you have authority, you have power. Now in Genesis 3, we see Genesis 3 verse 1, it says, now the serpent was more crafty. I'm reading it out of the Amplified. It says, now he was more crafty, he was more Subtle, and he was skilled in deceit. See, that's a very important thing. If you have an Amplified Bible, you ought to highlight that. And if not, you ought to you ought to get you an Amplified Bible so you can highlight that. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. He was skilled in deceit more than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said unto the woman, can it really be? That God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, hold on. God puts them in this beautiful garden. It is lush. It has plenty of water. It has gold. They don't even need gold to buy anything. It has every fruit and vegetable that you can imagine. It has the animals. They don't fight each other. And he says to them, he says, I only have one request. You're in my image. You can have everything that I have. But that tree right there, do not touch that tree. See, he puts that tree over there. He says, don't touch that tree. Well, why would God tell you not to touch the tree? I'm not here to talk about the why. I'm here to say that he said, don't touch the tree. And a lot of times the reason I think that we get into trouble is that when God tells us not to do something, we now want to have a philosophical debate about whether we should do the thing God told us not to do. So the Bible says that this enemy, he's crafty. So he approaches Eve and he says, can it be that God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Now, they got all of these trees. He knows that they have all of these trees. He knows that God did not say that they could not eat of any tree. He knows that. 
But he says he plants this seed and says, did God really say you can't eat nothing here? And one of the strategies of the enemy in our life is to get us to doubt God's goodness toward us. So it's when you want something and God tells you that you should not have it. It's biblically, he doesn't want you to have that biblically. That's not the person he wants you to marry. That's not the job he wants you to have. The enemy begins to whisper and begins to want to make you question, did God really say you can't have that good thing like God is holding back? Can you turn and tell your neighbor God ain't holding nothing back? I know ain't, ain't good language, but it'll really help you understand that. God ain't holding nothing good back from us. But the mind game that the enemy plays on all of us is to make us think that because we want, that if we want something, and sometimes you'll see with Eve, the Bible says that Eve hadn't thought about this tree because she was so satisfied by everything else, but he will begin to put thoughts in your mind, begin to bring things in your mind to get you to make you think that God is not a good God, that he is not a loving God, and he is not a faithful God. So he says to her, Did God, could it be that God really said that you can't eat in, of any tree of the garden? And she says, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, except for the tree that is in the middle of the garden. For God said, you shall not eat from it, nor touch it, otherwise you will die. Now, this is really interesting. If you go back and study this story, God didn't actually tell them not to touch the tree. He told them not to eat from the tree. Now, that's the other thing that we try to do. Sometimes God will give us a restriction. He'll give us a limit, and then we'll add another limit to it, right? We're going to be extra. That's really how religion gets in. And so she, and then, but look at what the enemy comes back and he says. He says, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat it, your eyes will be open, that you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Now, look at this. The enemy brings his raggedy self up in there and he says to her, he says, hold on, wait a minute. You mean God is keeping this really good thing from you? Oh, God knows. So now the mentality is that God is holding back. God is keeping something good from Eve. He's given her all of this stuff. But now the seed of the enemy is that God is keeping something good from her. And he says, no, 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 you're not going to die. In fact, he twisted. He says, because he's a twister. He twisted. He says, and if you do this, you'll really be like God. Now, the problem is, is because she didn't know her identity. She wasn't really establishing her identity. She didn't know that she was already like God. And one of the challenges for so many believers is that because we don't know our identity, we're still doing things trying to be like God instead of doing things out of our identity. Let me give you a practical example. Let me give you a practical example. I am not a wife because I cook, clean, pick up clothes from the cleaners. That's not what makes me a wife. I'm a wife because I've already been chosen as a wife. So anything I do as a wifely duty, it is not to be chosen. It is because I have already been chosen. So many believers live their life trying to do things to be chosen because they don't know they are chosen. And when they don't know they're chosen by God, they end up performing for life. So because she doesn't understand that she's already created in the image of God, she wants to be like God. And so 
now she's willing to do the very thing God told her not to do, trying to get what she already has. Now, that'll help somebody if you'll really listen to this, right? But you got to keep going. It says, now, if you keep going, in, in, in verse 6, it says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food. The woman saw the tree was good for food. Now, the, food, the tree had been there all the time, and she had never seen that it was good for food. And then the enemy planted the seed and said it was good for food. And then it said that she opened her eyes and she saw that it was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took its fruit and she ate it. I want to show you right here. This is how the enemy, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. This is the strategy of the enemy. This is what he does. In our lives, this is how he gets us off track. There are only three ways that the enemy comes at anybody. There are they, It may seem like it takes a million forms, but there are only three ways that the enemy comes at anybody. I'm going to show them to you here. I'm going to show you how he trapped Eve with them. And then I'm going to show you how Jesus defeated him so that we could defeat him. Right? There are three things. Let's go to first. Y'all doing all right out there? Y'all learning anything? If you're learning something, share this video. Give me some hearts. Because I want to give you the advantage. You, I want you to have the advantage so that when the enemy comes and starts to whisper things to you and say things to you, that you will really understand his strategy is to pull you out of the will of God and to make you think. Have you ever noticed that the enemy will invite you into doing something and make it seem like it's going to be better, but it ends up being worse? All right, so let's look at 1 John Um. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. 1 John verse, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. If any man loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life, and is not the Father, but is of the world. Now understand, here's what he's saying. God created Adam and Eve to operate in dominion in the earth realm. So he gave the earth to humanity. When Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit and believe the lie and manipulation of the enemy, they put themselves, they moved themselves out of the, from under the dominion of God, under the dominion of Satan. In 1 Corinthians, it says, he is the God of this world who blinds eyes. That's what he did to Eve. He blinded her eyes. He blinded her eyes to her identity. He blinded her eyes to God's love. He blinded her eyes to God's goodness. And he blinded her eyes to God's faithfulness. And that is what he wants to do to each one of us every day. He wants to blind our eyes to our identity. He wants to blind our eyes to the love of God. He wants to blind our eyes to the goodness of God. And he wants to blind our eyes to the faithfulness of God. Why? Because if we don't know who we are and we don't understand the love of God and we don't understand his goodness and we don't understand his faithfulness, we will use another system to try to get what God has already freely given us. Listen, Bishop Jakes gave this definition of sin years ago, which really, really blessed me and it really helps put sin in context for me. The word sin means to miss the mark. 
to miss the mark. What does that mean? It means that I'm going to try to get what God has already provided for me through a means other than God. I am going to attempt to get, it is right to want to be loved. Yes, it, I am created for love. But when I don't understand my identity, when I don't understand God's love, when I don't understand his goodness, when I don't understand his faithfulness, I will step outside of his will trying to get what he has already freely given me. When I don't understand God, my identity, when I don't understand God's love, when I don't understand his goodness, when I don't understand his faithfulness, I'll take a job that he told me not to take. It's not that I don't need provision. It's not that the father doesn't want me to have provision. It's that when I don't know who I am and who he is, I will use the world's way to try to get something. That is why Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed. It says, verse 1, it says, and don't be conformed to this world. It seems like we all want the same things. We all want good relationships. We all want to be loved and valued. We all want to be free. We all want to have enough provision. He said, but if you live by this world system, you are going to try to get it in a way that God didn't intend and you are going to miss the mark. We've all missed the mark. That's why we needed a savior. He, because we could not stop missing the mark because of what happened with Adam and Eve. So God, who is so rich in mercy, according to Ephesians, he sent his son so we could be redeemed. But how many of you know that even after we have been born again, our minds can still be inclined to do things that God doesn't want us to do? That's that flesh. So he says, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now let's go back to what happened to Eve. Let's go back to what happened to Eve. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, that's the first place that he got her. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, God said it wasn't good for food, but then she saw that it was. How many times has God told us something wasn't good for us and then we decide that it's good? That's the lust of the flesh at work. Eve saw that a tree that God had said not to eat was now desirable to eat. And then it says, and it was pleasant to the eye. Oh, that's the lust of the eye. The fruit looked good to her. The fruit looked good to her. So the enemy is planting a seed to get her to come out of the will of God by showing her something that seems to suggest that God is not who he says he is, that God is withholding from her, that God doesn't really want to be good to her. And so he begins to play with her soul. He begins to play with her thoughts. Tell your neighbor, say his strategies have not changed. His strategies have not changed. So what he does is that when God tells you don't date this guy right here, then the, then people go, oh, but y'all a cute couple. Oh, now, whoo, lust of the flesh, because he show is fine. Lust of the eye, we show look good together. Oh, y'all could be a power couple. That gets into the third one, the pride of life. It says, she says, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. In 1 John, he says, listen here, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is how we get off track. We don't, we have to remember who we are 
and that our father loves us, that our father is good to us, and that our father is faithful. So that when the enemy tries to get us to touch the fruit that might look good. See, here's the thing I think is important. You see, that fruit did look good. There will be some things that the enemy will try to present to you that they look good. They're just not good for you because they go against the will of God. And sometimes what happens is because God is merciful. Turn and tell your neighbor and say, God is merciful. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. See, because God is so merciful, there are times that we touch things that he told us not to touch, that we get caught up in the pride of life. We get caught up in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, and we don't immediately have consequences. And so what we can do then is we can still, we can think that because we don't have consequences that God is actually pleased. That's why in Romans 12 and 2, it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good and perfect will of God. I'm going to interrupt and just mess with some of y'all sacred cows. A lot of people like to say God is in control. No, God is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, he has given you choice. And because God is merciful, there will be times that you and I are doing things that he's told us not to do. And he is drawing us back. He's trying to pull us out of this pit, this place that the enemy wants to lock us up and put in bondage. And we'll be thinking because God, because it's so good and nothing bad is going wrong, we'll be thinking that the hand of God is all on it. No, it's just his mercy is blocking the consequences that we should receive from our disobedience. See, you ought to just stop and praise the Lord right now. Turn and tell your neighbor, I'm so thankful I didn't get everything I deserve. I am so thankful that I did not get everything that I deserve. I am so thankful that when I stepped out and I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do, that when my the lust of my flesh, the lust of the, my eye, the pride of my life got caught up. I'm so glad that he didn't give me what I deserve. I'm so glad that it's by loving kindness that he drew me. But listen, Paul says something. He says, because God is gracious, should we continue down this path? He said, oh no, heaven forbid. He says, now there is some grace. Where sin abound, much more does grace abound. But grace is not to continue missing the mark. Grace is the power that pulls us out of missing the mark. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not the, the past to continue to miss the mark. Grace is the power to come back under what God has instructed for us. Listen. So she saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to one wise. Now we need to talk about lust a little bit because this is really important because a lot of times in the church, when we think about lust, we only think about sexual lust. We only think about lust. But let me tell you, I want to talk to you about what this word lust means, the etymology of lust, because this really helped me when I read this. The etymology of the word lust in the Greek, it means to be hot after something. It means to be hot after something. To be hot after something. So it is not limited to sexual desire. It is related to when we in our flesh, the nature that is carnal and against God, gets hot after something that God doesn't want us to have. 
I get hot after it. I gotta have this promotion. I gotta have this car. I gotta have this house. I gotta be famous. I gotta do this. I get hot after it. And when I get hot after it, then now I'm not being led by the spirit. Now I'm being driven by my flesh. Is this helping anybody today? Is this helping anybody? See, because if you can begin to understand how the enemy is playing with you, you can become an active participant in shutting the door of his access in your thought life. The etymology of it is to be hot after something. In this context, lust is any desire that is contrary to the will of God. Okay, let, let's use something real simple. I'm going to use something real simple. I always tell on myself so people don't have to get so worked up. Years ago, somebody say years ago, years ago, years ago, the Lord told me not to drink. Sean, do not drink alcohol. Sean, do not drink alcohol. I do not want you to drink alcohol. And so I went for a long period of time and I wouldn't drink any alcohol at all. Not even, even if we went to a wedding, I would be like, I need sparkling water or Right, a Dr. Pepper, something, I wouldn't drink anything. And then this, let me tell you something happened because I want you to understand how it comes for you. So then, a lot of people that I love started drinking wine. And they will be talking about how good the wine was and showing the different bottles of wine. And then scandal came, and Olivia Pope, whenever she was solving a problem, she would begin to drink from that big fish bowl of wine. And it just looked, what's wrong? Okay, they said I can keep talking. They said one of the videos has gone off on Instagram. I'm still here with y'all. We're trying to reconnect. We're trying to reconnect. It's on. Okay. It's just trying to reconnect to the internet. Okay, so Olivia Post, she's drinking wine. My friends are drinking wine. It looks so sexy. Listen, and just like Eve, what happened to Eve right here? I saw that the wine was good for drink. And the wine became pleasant to my eyes. And, you know, wine is what you do to relax. So, now, oh, wait, what do you want me to do? Keep talking. No, it's, the, the Facebook's not connected to you meant to tell Instagram to hold on for a second? Hey, Instagram, can y'all hold on a second? Will we probably, you, do we just need to go live to Facebook? Probably. Okay. Somebody tell Facebook that we. They can't tell. No, no. It looks like I'm still going on my Facebook over here. Are you? Facebook, can y'all still see us? Oh, they said they hear you. This is like technical difficulties, like at church when the mic goes off. They said it's connected. Clarissa say commercial break. It's cool. Commercial break. I'm going to take a drink while this is commercial break, and I'm going to come back and finish my story about wine. Oh, yes. May I proceed? Ralph said it's still going, so keep talking then. My bad. It says it's not connected. Go ahead. They can see you. They say Facebook is here. All right. So back on, back on this wine story, right? So, you know, God gave me a very specific word. He told me not to drink. See, I'm, I'm trying to help you. There are going to be things in your life that God is going to tell you not to touch. And if you're not careful, you get to looking at what other people are touching. And then you start doing exactly what Eve did. Because everybody goes, I can't believe Eve messed up like that. But all of us have messed up like Eve because we all have the same desire to want what we want when we want it. 
So I saw that the wine was good for drink. And then the wine looked pleasant because wine, it looked so good going in that glass and it looked real, all of that different stuff. And then I saw that wine was supposed to be good for relaxing. So anyway, now the Holy Spirit just keeps telling me, hey, listen, Sean, you're not supposed to drink. 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 Well, so I wouldn't drink that often. You know, I went from not drinking at all to I'm only going to drink on a special occasion because, you know, it ain't a sin to drink. But see, here's the problem. This is what we, we, we want to get into the letter of the law when it is to do something that we want to do. Mm -hmm. So what happened is I started getting a little lax on drinking. And when I would go out, like I wouldn't get my own drink, but I might take a sip of somebody else's drink. Let me let me drink that. Let me taste that. And then let me tell you. So um, a couple of years ago, um, I think it was 2018, we went to um, Vegas, um, us and the Valleys. And, you know, um, they um, we, we, we went out and we was walking on the street, man, and we got us a daiquiri or some kind of drink, and it was good. Tell your name say it was good. It was good for the drink, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and it, and it tasted good. So it was good, right? And so, listen, I, I had a really good time. I did not have any issues at all. So now I start reasoning with myself about why it's okay to drink because you know what? Maybe he just said that for back at that time. Maybe that's when I was a younger believer. Now, he's still saying, Sean, I told you not to drink Sean I told you not to drink okay so then I, I take my happy self back to Vegas in January of 2019 in 2019 and there we we're out we we're at a Mexican restaurant and they got this drink and, it, and the drink looks so fruity and it's got a little it's got a little um, umbrella on it and all of that different stuff honest to God y'all I took three drinks of that drink Three drinks, say three sips, three sips of the drink, three sips of the drink and gave it away. I said, oh, this I, this is too strong. Listen, when I woke up the next morning, I was sicker than I have ever been in my life. Now, what you want to say is God made me sick. No, God didn't make me sick. God has spent a lifetime telling me why I didn't need to drink. I was so sick that the rest of the crew had to go out without me. I'm laying on the floor, and the, we live, we in this wonderful hotel suite. I can't even enjoy it. All I'm doing is laying down on the floor, asking the Lord to have mercy on me. The Listen, the, the housekeeper comes in, and she I'm so distraught. She like, miss, did your boyfriend break up with you? Because I am just in a bad state. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. And the whole time, the Lord is like, I didn't tell you not to drink because I don't love you and I don't want you to have a good time. I told you not to drink because I understand something about your body that you don't understand. Excuse me, who did I just help you? There are some things in your life that it may look like other people get to do. And if you don't stay focused on what God told you, you will end up outside of the will of God. And for a while, do y'all see how I sipped a little bit, didn't have no problem? Had me a whole daiquiri back in 2018. Didn't have no problem at all. Oh, but them three sips in January 2019 brought me down to my knees. He says, Sean, I'm not trying to be mean to you. See, some of it is we have to understand in our heart that when God says no, when God says that's not yours, when God says don't do that, that is not because he is a hard taskmaster. It is because he created us and he knows what's best for us. Say he knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for me. 
So now we got this problem that in our nature, our nature is that we get hot out the things that God told us not to touch. Somebody just say, Lord, forgive me. We get hot out the things that God has told us not to touch. We get hot out the people that God has told us not to touch. So to lust means to have a desire that didn't come from God. You want something that God told you not to touch. And we love to keep it in the realm of sex, but it's not just sex. Some of you got a lust issue with cheese. God told you to quit eating cheese. Every time you get cheese, you get eat cheese, you get stopped up, you got heartburn, you got all of these issues. But the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eye, and the pride of your life, because the pride of life says, you know what, listen, it's just going to work out this time. I just believe I receive. Now I'm going to pray over the thing the Lord told me not to have. I'm going to ask the Lord to bless the very thing he told me not to touch. Anybody else just willing to admit that you've ever done that? See, because when you can begin to understand not just how God moves, but how the devil moves and how how you respond to those moves, then when he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you be like, uh-oh, I see you. I see you. I see you. What is your flesh? The flesh is the human nature that has been corrupted by sin. I don't care how much we love Jesus. That's why the Bible tells us we must crucify our flesh daily. Until you leave this earth realm, your flesh will always try to come against what God is doing in your life. Your flesh will always try to reason and try to get you to see how much you can get away with. And then flesh and religion start to say things like this. But the grace of God, you know, it's just the grace of God. No, the grace of God is to live right, not to keep living wrong. That's the grace of God. Y'all all right? So, the lust of the flesh really just means to live a life that is dominated by the sense realm. So, I want what I see. I want what I smell. I want what I want to touch it. I want to feel it. I want what I want. And you have to understand that in every one of us, in every one of us, the Bible says it like this, there is a war going on between us. Your spirit man is fighting for dominion and your flesh is fighting for dominion. And one of the challenges for us is that we deceive ourselves that because we love God, that we have more dominion over our flesh than we do. And we begin to make our obedience optional. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, if you want to live free, obedience is not optional. I didn't say if you want to go to heaven. I said, if you want to live free and have dominion here in this earth, you have to decide that obedience is not optional. What does that mean? That means that there are some times you go want to date somebody and the Holy Ghost is going to say no. And you go have to block them on social media. So the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and this pride of life. You know what the pride of life really is? It's when we think we know better than God. The pride of life is when we think we know better than God. And he says all that is in this world, back to 1 John, he says what? What's in this world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And one of the challenges for us, guys, is that because we, we like to look at other people. So I wanted to say, oh, well, you know, God didn't tell Pastor Strick not to drink, so maybe it's cool for me. What's that got to do with me? Your instructions are your instructions. Tell your neighbor, say, your instructions are your instructions. Your instructions are your instructions. 
And so many of us get pulled in. And see, we got to understand the enemy isn't just fighting us blindly. He has studied us. So he pays attention to what we like. Listen, Pastor Ella says this all the time. He says, listen here. When the enemy wants to tempt you with a woman, he bring the kind of woman you like. That's what he does. When the enemy wants to tempt you with a man, he brings the kind of man that you like. He is always dealing with what's in your flesh, which is why it's your responsibility and my responsibility to crucify the flesh daily. To crucify the flesh daily. Because we can be hot. I like that definition, to be hot for it. You know what it's like to be hot for something. We can be hot for a lot of things that are not the will of God. My goodness. All right, let's keep going. Did y'all get something from that? Say, but God, but God, but God. Now look at here, because it says, so the strategy of the enemy is to play mind games. He plays fine game. One, he says to you, you're rejected when God says you're accepted. He says to you, you're not enough when God says that you're chosen. He says to you that you're broke when God says he provides all your needs. He says to you that you've been abandoned when, and so that you can't see that you've been accepted. So when the enemy brings you a thought, you got to decide what you're going to do with it. Now look at this. So I told y'all these four things I want to tell you again. How does the enemy play with us? He, I told you what he uses. He uses the lust of the flesh. He uses the lust of the eye. And he uses the pride of life. Right? But what? But how he does it is these four things. He gets you to question your identity. God, the enemy wants you to question your God identity. He wants you to question who you are. Then he wants you to question three things about God, the love of God, the goodness of God, and the faithfulness of God. So he wants you to question who you are. Are you really created in the image of God? Number two, he wants you to question the love of God. If God really loved you, why wouldn't he let you have that? If God really loved you, why would he make you stay in this city? If God really loved you, why wouldn't he let you go and do this thing? The goodness of God. He wants you to make you feel like God is holding something back. Wants to show you to other people who have it and you don't have it. Well, they're married and they look like they're doing all right. They're married and they fornicated before they got married. And then he wants you to question the faithfulness of God. Will God honor me for honoring him? Somebody say, but God. Now, when Jesus comes to the earth, Jesus now has to deal with the exact same temptations that got Eve caught up. The exact same temptations that got Eve caught up. We're going to learn something real good here. So if you go to Matthew 4, Matthew 4, I love it. I just saw in the comments that you're, you need to understand this. Your flesh is never going to be satisfied. Now, I'm going to prove this to you. I'm going to tell a funny story about Pastor Ellen. Years ago when we used to eat pork, my grandmother made the best pork chops I have ever had in my life. Ever. She had this way she would brown them, and then she would cook this gravy, and then she'd cook them in the oven. And Edwin loved 
those pork chops. So when we would be headed to Fordyce, we'd have the same conversation all the time. The same conversation would be, my, you know my grandma cooked those pork chops for you. Babe, if you eat more than three at a time, you're going to get sick. And he would say, you right, Sean. I promise I won't eat more than three. Now, we got a covenant agreement. He about, probably about to stick his head in the camera right now. Oh, you know, we had a covenant agreement that he knows that after three pork chops, he's going to get sick. We would get down there. My grandma would have that food laid out in those pork chops. She'd have his plate laid out. He'd eat the first two pork chops. When he got ready to eat the third pork chop, I say, babe, babe, you know what happens after the third pork chop? And then he would say, I know, I know. And then he would eat that third pork chop, and you could see that he would get sad. And then um, Instagram's about to go out. And then I would say, babe, remember what I said? Remember what we agreed to? And then you know what he would do? Get mad at me. Now, the, the, the agreement about the pork chop is to keep him from getting sick. But when it was when his flesh wanted more, he would get mad at me. Now, come on, some of y'all ought to just tell the truth. God raises up people and the Holy Spirit to tell you things that are going to help you. To tell you things, you sick of being sick and tired. You sick of your you sick of your heart being broken. You sick of being broke. You sick of being in a bad situation, right? And then God will give you a pastor. He'll give you a coach. He'll give you a mentor. He'll give you these people. And when you're in a lot of pain, see, because listen, whenever Edwin was at eight, eating that fourth, fifth pork chop and he was laying in the back room sick, he would say, I should just listen to you. Sean, I'm going to listen to you next time. But when that pain wasn't there and his flesh was craving that, he would turn on me. How many of us turn on the people who are designed to help us? We turn on the Holy Ghost. I don't want to hear that right now. I don't, I don't want to hear Holy Ghost. I don't want you to talk to me about that right now. And so why? Because the flesh, the flesh is insatiable. It is insatiable. So your flesh will literally allow you to consume something until it brings death to you. His flesh was willing to let him eat those pork chops every single time, even though his flesh knew when he was going to get sick. You laughing because it's pork chops, but how many things do you not crucify your flesh about and you get pulled in, pulled in, and then you end up the devil whooping your tail and he had your permission to do it because you were an active participant in disobedience. We spend way too much time trying to be concerned about what other people do. What did he tell you to do? Which is why my favorite question, our favorite question to people is, what did God say? See, because understand, I'm not supposed to drink if everybody drink. If every preacher in the world sit around here and have a glass of wine today at 3 o'clock, what I should do if I'm wise is crucify my flesh and be like, no, I don't drink. Go ahead and run me some grape juice. That's what I'm going to do. See, if you don't learn the value of crucifying your flesh and partnering with God, see, because you're either in partnership with God or you're in partnership with the devil, there is no neutral ground. You are either feeding your flesh, which gives the devil dominion over you, or you are feeding your spirit, which gives God dominion over you. There is no middle ground. 
There is no middle ground. Your flesh will kill you. You say, how does somebody eat till they get big? Your flesh is trying to kill you. How does somebody drink when they know they're already an alcoholic? Your flesh is trying to kill you. How do you keep going back to somebody who mistreats you? Your flesh is trying to kill you. Your flesh is your enemy. But what is that scripture that says the flesh is the enemy of God? Now listen, let's go to Matthew um, um, Matthew 4. Did you find the scripture for me, please? Yeah. The scripture that says how our flesh is an enmity against God. So let's look at what happens when Jesus is in the same situation. Is this helping anybody? Can you see yourself? Can you see where you give place to the devil? Because the Bible says, don't you give place to him. You resist him. We don't resist the devil by screaming, devil go. We resist the devil by not drinking the wine. We resist the devil by when he, God tells you to give up the cheese. We resist the devil when God tells you that person is not the person you should be married to and you stop dating them and you block them on social media because in yourself you admit you don't have the ability to be casual with them. Romans 87. Romans 87, thank you. But let's look at Matthew 4 and 11. It says, then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had gone without food 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry and the tempter came to him. So the tempter waits till the till God, till Jesus is in a compromised position because now he's hungry. He says, if you are the son of God, command these bread, these stones become bread. But Jesus replied, it is written and forever remains written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city of Jerusalem and placed him on a pinnacle, the highest point of the temple. And he said mockingly to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command angels concerning you to serve and care for and protect over you. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written and forever remains written. You shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and the splendor and excellence of them. And he said, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written and remains forever written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. That is how we resist the devil. There are two things you got to see here. There are two things that Jesus had. Jesus had the spirit. The Bible says the spirit led him and then he answered the enemy with the word. Listen, do you notice that the same thing that, he, that the devil did to Eve, he did to Jesus? He tried to twist the words of God to get Jesus to begin to live by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But Jesus was led by the Spirit. See, that's why you got to have the Holy Ghost. Turn it to your neighbor and say, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost, his job is to discern what's true. Everybody quoting scripture ain't telling the truth. Jesus is in here. He's hungry. He's compromised. 
So what does it let us know? The enemy waits until we're compromised. He waits until we're hungry. He waits until we feel like we don't have enough money. He waits until we feel rejected. He waits until we feel abandoned. He waits until it seems like somebody else is getting it and we aren't getting it. And then he shows up and he tries to make you doubt who God is and who you are. But Jesus was led by the spirit of God. And so when G when the enemy says to him, he says, um, Hey, you hungry? Bro, you hungry? You God? Turn these stones into bread. But here's the problem. God, Jesus, Jesus had been led to fast. So to use his power to turn those stones into bread would have been to come out of the obedience of the Holy Spirit that had led him to fast to begin with. And what was that? What was he trying to do to him? What he was trying to do to him Excuse me. <clears throat> what he was trying to do to him was appeal to the lust of his flesh. He was trying to appeal to the hunger that was in Jesus because Jesus was also a hundred percent man. He said, I'm going to wait till this boy get hungry and then I'm going to remind him that he got the power to eat. And then Jesus says, hey, it is written and forever written. This is such an important thing. The word of God does not change. See, people think that the word of God changed because the seasons change. You think it changed because it's a new culture because now something is socially acceptable that wasn't socially acceptable. The word of God remains. In fact, it says heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word of God will pass away. So what Jesus says to the enemy is what you're trying to do is to get me to give into my flesh because I'm hungry. But there is something that is greater than my physical hunger. And it is that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What Jesus is saying to the devil is I will only do what God said. I won't eat till God tells me to. Some of you got to get some resolve that you're only going to do what God tells you to do. You keep wondering how you keep ending up in this situation, but in a pressure situation, you try to let the enemy use the word to pull you out of the will of God. Yes, Jesus was hungry. He been fasting 40 days. Most of us can't fast seven days. You know Jesus was hungry, hungry. The enemy comes and says, listen, boy, you've got the power. Use your power. Do it your way. And Jesus says, no, 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 for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I will not use my power to go against God. That's choice. That's what he does. What he does is he overcomes the lust of his flesh. Now, he says to him, he takes him to the um, holy city in verse 5 and place him on the pinnacle. And he says, if you're the son of God, for it is written, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to serve and care and protect you. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, on the other hand, it is written and remains written, you shall not test the Lord your God. This is the lust of the eye. The enemy is trying to get Jesus to use his power to say, listen here, show off. Show us who you really are. He's like, no, 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 no. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Listen, God ain't told me to jump off this mountain. If he told me to jump off this mountain, he would be obligated to catch me. But he didn't tell me to jump. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay right here because I don't get to tempt God. See, you think, well, nobody would 
jump off a mountain. But how many mountains do you jump off of? Because God, God told you not to jump over into that. He told you not to touch that. He told you not to in, entertain that. He told you not to entertain him. He told you not to entertain her. He told you not to even go for the interview of the job. He told you don't even apply. He told you don't go on vacation there. He told you don't eat that. And then you say, but he's giving his angels charge over me. See, one of the biggest challenges for so many people is that they try to use the love of God as permission to do anything they want to do. God loves me. He wants me to be happy. God loves you. He wants you to be holy. Take that. God, lo God loves me. He wants me to be happy. No, God loves you. He wants you to be holy and he wants you to find your happiness in your holiness. He wants you to find your happiness in doing what pleases him. All right. Verse eight. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory, the splendor, the magnificence, the excellence of them all. And he said, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said unto him, go away for it is written and forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. We're about to get out of here, but I just, I want to wrap up and leave you with this right here. When we choose to sing, when we choose to go our own way, when we choose to do things our own way, all we are doing, God, is choosing to worship the devil. We are giving up the worship to God. And this is hard for a lot of believers to understand because we love to lift our hands. We love to bow down. We love to say, Jesus, I love you. But the real act of worship is when I am given an instruction by God and an invitation by the devil. When I choose, that is my worship. Whatever I choose is my worship. So when God, so now for those of you, so now let me help you. Those of you who the, somebody said the Lord told me to give up cheese. What if you begin to see not eating cheese as an act of worship? God, I love cheese, but I love you so much that I'm willing to do whatever you say, even if it means giving up something I love, even if I can never have another piece of cheese again. I love you so much. I am willing to put a knife to my flesh and crucify my flesh because nothing matters more to me than obeying you. See, that's the thing that Jesus had. Jesus had the spirit, the Holy Spirit. He had the word. And he had an unending desire to obey God no matter what it cost him. Now, I told Pastor Ellen to find the scripture for me, and he did. It's Romans 8 and 7, because I want you to understand this. There is no good thing in your flesh. Your flesh is always going to try to pull you outside of God. Your flesh is always going to try to make you the exception. Your flesh is always going to say, it's okay to do a little bit. But the Bible says a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. And if we're really honest, guys, if we're really honest, that's what backsliding looks like. It looks like this. You get committed. Let, let's take it away from something you see a sin. Let's just talk about a diet. When people begin to change their health and they get, when they're first changing their health, most people who are most, who are serious about changing their health become very, very disciplined in what they eat. They know all of the calories and everything. They get very disciplined about what they eat. 
And the more they think they have mastery, guys, the more they slide up off. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. Well, it's okay. I can have, uh, I don't have to drink so much water. I'll drink three sips of Dr. Pepper, right? And that's fine as long as they keep practicing discipline. But the truth of it is because the flesh is so greedy, most people end up right back where they started. Before you know it, three sips of Dr. Pepper is three Dr. Peppers a day. Before you know it, one piece of cheese pizza is four cheese pizza and some mozzarella sticks. You have to understand that your flesh is always going to push the limit for more. Okay, you make you, you cuss today. You you say you, you hit your toe and you cuss. All right, if you don't deal with that, before you know it, one cuss word becomes two cuss word. And three months from now, cussing is just a normal part of what you do. Because your flesh always wants to take more ground because your flesh hates the part of you that is like God. Your flesh always wants to oppose God. And until we understand that, I was so glad when Pastor Edward first taught us that, because until you understand that, you will always be a victim and think that it's just the devil. It's not just the devil. It's that we're actively participating with him in order to really live this life. Because I'm talking about living victory. I'm not talking about going to heaven. You go to heaven because you accept Jesus. I'm talking about how to get heaven into the earth. There are some things you just got to say no to. And your no got to be consistent and final. You got to be like Jesus. It is written and it is forever written. It, so now you know what I do, guys, because the reason that I ended up drinking is because I let it slip my confession. I, so now, no matter what anybody say about drinking, Pastor Ellen will tell you to say, I don't drink. I don't care what nobody else do. I don't drink. I do not drink. Why? Because I have to keep reaffirming the commitment God has called me to. If you struggle to tithe, you got to start saying, what you, I tithe no matter what. Let the lights get cut off. I still tithe. It is this thing of killing your flesh. You, it's your, God is not going to kill your flesh. Angels are not going to come down and rush you and, and, and wrestle your flesh into subjection. It is my responsibility to kill my flesh by obeying God. By obeying God. Let's read this scripture. I, I want to read all. I, I want to read Romans eight one through seven, and then we're going to get ready to do our giving this morning. But I hope this helped you. I hope that you can see because see, if you can ever understand how the enemy is playing with you, you can decide you don't want to be playing with no more. And because so many of us accept thoughts, I ain't nothing. I'm rejected. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were um, they were talking about how they were struggling with porn, and they was and I was saying to them, your confession. You keep saying I'm a porn addict. You keep saying I'm bound by this. He wants you to make those I am statements so he can get you pulled deeper in the stronghold of seeing yourself in a way differently than God sees you. All right, Romans eight, and then I'm done. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is so important. He does not say there is no condemnation to everybody who's in Christ Jesus. He says that there is no condemnation for those who walk after the spirit. You can be in Christ Jesus constantly under condemnation because you don't do what God tells you to do.
And I know that people don't necessarily like this kind of teaching, but this is the kind of teaching that'll keep you free. This is the kind of teaching that'll let you draw a line in the sand and say, I don't care what nobody else go do. I'm going to rock with Jesus. You can eat what you want. You can go where you want. You can steal the tithe. You can fornicate. You can live however you want to live, but I'm going to live with Jesus, even if it means I got to crucify my flesh every moment of every single day. It says, for the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free, shout I'm free, from the law of sin and death. He says, listen, this law is dominion over you. There's a law that wants dominion over you. It says, but there is a higher law, which is the law of life in Christ Jesus through the spirit that is higher than that law. Literally, it says this, when I obey the Holy Spirit, I break the chains of the enemy over me. Now hear me. Does that mean, because this is where a lot of people struggle, do you, you need to realize that like, for example, deciding to obey God, I keep going back to cheese, deciding to obey God regarding cheese don't mean you're not going to ever want cheese again. It doesn't mean cheese isn't going to ever look good to you again. It does not ever mean that you're not going to crave cheese. Obeying the spirit does not mean all the cravings go away. Obeying the spirit means I would rather die than give in to the craving. I will kill this part of my flesh. I learned this from Pastor Edwin. I love him because he's real extreme and real gangster. And he was like, when the enemy, when the enemy would try to get him to come up off a fast, he would just say to the enemy, like if he was supposed to fast for 24 hours and the enemy tried to get him to eat, he tried to get his flesh to eat. He'd tell his flesh, if you don't shut up, I'll fast for three days. If it's fast for three days, he'd be like, if you don't shut up, I'll fast for seven days. You have to learn to put your flesh in subjection. And one of the challenges for many of you is you believe everything you think. And everything you think ain't from God. You think because you feel it, because you crave it, because you desire it, because you want it, that is God. What is God is what God has said. It says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You got to make a choice which way you walk it. It says, for they that are after the flesh, hear this, you will always know this. For they that are after the flesh, what do they mind? The things of the flesh. We want to know how it feels. We want to know, can we do what we want? Can we go where we want? Can we have what I want? Literally, there's a scripture that says, what does it gain the whole, what does it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Many of us have gotten so consumed with our dreams and our desires that we literally just try to use God as a genie to get our dreams and desires. We try to use faith confessions to impose our will on God. He says that's not the way it is because if you're only talking to God about your dream, your husband, your relationship, you being famous, you making six figures, you being a millionaire, that's not walking after the spirit. He says you can tell what you mind by what you talk about. Tell your neighbor, we know what you mind about what you talk about. We almost done. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Some of you are like, why am I so tormented? Because you're carnally minded. 
What do I mean you're carnally minded? You rehearse what the devil says instead of what God says. You want what you want instead of subjugating your flesh to God. He says, if you are carnally minded, there is going to be death. There is going to be decay. There is going to be bondage. There is going to be destruction. Where is the freedom? The freedom is in minding the things of the spirit. Verse 7. We're going to stop here. But the carnal mind is enmity. The Amplified says is hostile. Your carnal mind is hostile to the things of God. Your carnal mind is hostile to God and is not subject to the law of God and indeed cannot be. Guys, this is so important that you understand this. You have a war going on on the inside of you. And that war is about whether you are going to bow to the things of God or whether you're going to give your flesh place to rule you. And understand this, you can make it easy for yourself, but if you give your flesh dominion, all you're doing is getting Satan over your, over your life. And what happens for many of us, if you've been in this bondage, if you've ever gotten yourself in a state of bondage, is that even when, Paul said, even when you want to do right, you can't do right because you've given your flesh so much dominion. When you can't keep your, um, when you cannot keep food out of your mouth, that is because you've given your flesh dominion. I just got to have it. I'm just, cru crucify your flesh. So that's the first lesson in being a conqueror. Listen, the enemy's going to come to you in three ways. He's, huh, what'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. The enemy's gonna come to you in three ways. He's gonna deal. He's gonna try to come in through the pride of life. He's gonna try to come in through the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. And then he's gonna try to make you question your identity, make you question the goodness of God, the love of God, and the faithfulness of God. It's your responsibility to get in this word. It's your responsibility to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is your responsibility to do what it is that God is telling you to do, even when you feel like it's going to kill you because it's not going to kill you. All it's going to do is kill the old part of you, the part of you that need to die anyway. So that is my prayer for you. If you want to accept Jesus as your personal savior today, if you were like, man, listen, I don't even know if I've ever accepted it. You can send us a message or you can just put it down there um, that you want to give your life to Jesus today. And some of you may even make the decision today, man, I want to rededicate my life. I realize that I've been, I'm saved, but I've just been out here doing what I want to do. I, I just try to use God to get what I want. I don't really care what he wants. I just use God to get what I want. God bless me. God protect me. God bless me when I go here. God make me the head and not the tail. And I really need to bring myself into subjection in that and give my real life, my whole life to the Lord. If you want to be a virtual partner, you can do that. And I'm going to let Pastor Ellen come and he's going to talk, do the announcements and stuff. I love you guys so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I hope you've been blessed by this. I hope you will do this so you can live in dominion in every area. God bless you. Amen. As they said in the old church, did our hearts not burn for that word today? Amen. Praise God. Listen, Pastor was doing her good teaching, was she not? We're going to be excited when she comes back for the next several weeks to continue talking about <laughs> to continue talking about how to live uh, more than a conqueror. Remember, you know, as she was preaching, I was just thinking, if you are undisciplined in any area, that is the area that the enemy is going to come and want to attack the most. So if you've got an area in your life that you know is an area where you are undisciplined in, 
I am encouraging you to do what is necessary to build yourself up in the word, to get disciplined in that area. That's how you build discipline. You got to put the word on it because if you don't, your flesh is going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Whichever one you feed is going to be your master. And so make sure this week that you are spending time uh, developing some mastery and some discipline in those areas. So once again, let me just give you these announcements real quick and then we're going to go. Remember our weekly services starting on Monday. That's tomorrow. Uh, you can join Pastor Sean for Mindset. We're not doing Mindset Monday because me and Sean are doing the class tomorrow. Oh, okay. So no Mindset Monday tomorrow night. But those of you who signed up for the Five Hacks class, uh, that will be tomorrow night with Pastor Sean and I almost said Pastor Chandra and, 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 and Chandra Washington. So make sure that you, uh, if you if you haven't registered, I don't know if you still can, uh, you can still register. Uh, and I still have, I was, I was supporting four people for that class and three people contacted me and I paid for their registration. So I still have one left. So if you are interested, go to Facebook, hit me up on Messenger and let me know. Uh, that you want to be in the class uh, and that you don't have the money to be in the class. Not that you just don't want to spend the money, but you don't have the money to be in the class. And I'd be happy uh, to provide that support for you. So that'll be tomorrow night. No mindset Monday, tomorrow during the day. Tuesday night, corporate prayer right here on Facebook, 8 p.m. Wednesday night, refresh Bible study at 8.30 p.m. right here on Facebook. And you can also go to Pastor Ralph's personal page, which is like most personal pages, is www.facebook.com, and then it's forward slash Raphael Dark Marlowe. So make sure you go to his personal page, or you can check it out on the FOC Facebook page, whichever one is easiest for you. Refresh Bible study at 8.30, and then join us again next week, week 10, week 10 of Fellowship of Champions eChurch. Uh, we'll be here next week with none other than Pastor Sean Strickland teaching you the word. Uh, so come back and join us uh, on next week invite uh, and invite somebody to come. Uh, at 930, Kristen Valley Worships will be doing worship for us. And uh, Pastor Miguel, Ellen Miguel will be playing. So come and join them at 930 and then join us here at 10 o'clock. Listen, you had it on your screen and I know you've seen it. Uh, and so I won't spend a lot of time mentioning it, but it is important. If you were blessed by this word, and I know you were blessed by the word today. Some of you got revelation about the fact that you just can't do what everybody else do. Just because you see other people doing it and it seems to be working for them, it doesn't mean that you can do it because you've gotten a word from the Lord not to do it. And you got to see not doing it as an act of worship. That's what I got out of the message. That when I obey God, it is an act of worship. Even if it grieves my flesh, it is an act of worship to God. And so there are multiple ways you can give. You can give via push pay. Uh, the link is there. You can give via GiveLify. It's become one of my favorite ways to give because I can give to multiple funds through GiveLify with one click of the button. I can give to the scholarship fund. I can give my tithe, my offering, and I can give the children's ministry. Those are my four places that I tend to give uh, the, the most to. Those four <coughs> areas uh, is what I give to. And so I can put how much I want to put in each one of those and then just click the button. Uh, you can give via Tithely if you like that. Uh, and then a lot of you uh, have been using, and, and I have to admit, Pastor is right, a lot of you have been using the text to give feature. And so if you want to give, 
uh, you can simply text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-969-0897. Again, it's in your comment section, so you can see that. Uh, you can just click that if you want to save that or whatever, so you'll always know how to give. Listen, I want to plug our scholarship fund. I want to plug our scholarship fund real quick for those of you who are still on here. It looks about 80 of you still on here. So let me just say this. If you're looking for a place to sow, I can tell you that the Fellowship of Champions Academic and Leadership Scholarship Fund is a wonderful place to sow. It is a wonderful place to sow. This semester, um, starting in the fall, the 2020-2021 school year as a whole, the first semester, we will dedicate $11,000 to sending, I believe it's uh, 10 college students, four new ones and six supporting ones are going to be going to college and we're going to spend $11,000 the first semester, that's in August to December, and then we're going to turn around in January and spend another $11,000 to send them to school uh, for that next semester. So $22,000 is what we are dedicating for the fiscal academic year of 2020-2021, and I can't tell you how excited I get about that. I am crunk about that. That is 10 students that we are helping to reduce their higher education debt. Amen. And it only happens because we have people like you who, who understand the power of giving and who want to make a difference in the life of young people. And so that's, that's one of the things that we started four years ago. Uh, we didn't have a building and we didn't have $10,000 when we started. But we have a building now and we've already completed our first $10,000 payment. Uh, for a graduate who just graduated. And so uh, we're going to do it for the six who are already in school, and we're going to do it for the four who's going to start, and we're going to do it for all the ones who are coming after them. Because with God, all things are possible. So again, if you're looking for a place to sow, man, that Fellowship of Champions Academic uh, and Leadership Scholarship is a wonderful place to sow. And you're not you're not just you're not just giving, you're actually sowing because I'm telling you there's going to be an ROI, a return on your investment when you give into that scholarship fund. And then lastly, if you want to become a virtual partner, remember we said in the beginning of the broadcast, all you have to do is go to www.focchurch, focchurch, one word, .com forward slash Hashtag connection. Just remember that hashtag connection. It'll take you right to the form. All you have to do is complete that form, fill it out, uh, and we will include you in our list. Uh, we're putting together a welcome packet for all of our virtual partners, uh, and we're going to be communicating with you and, and sending you, uh, sharing our testimony with you, sharing words of encouragement with you. And so we just want to make sure that, that, that you are being built up in the Word of God. So I think that's all of our announcements. Again, make one more plug for the Five Hacks class. It's going to be on Monday night. You have not registered. You can do so. Again, I still have one spot available that I'm giving away. Uh, if you don't have the resources and you would like to attend the class, go to my Facebook page, send me a message. I'll cash up you the $25 and trust that you'll be an honest person to actually register for the class. The other thing that I'll tell you is I want to plug is the Marriage Essentials class. Our Marriage Essentials class has about 85 to 90 people already signed up, so we're already close to that 100 mark. So if you haven't registered, you need to register now. I'm telling you, it's less than 20 days out, I think, or 20 days out. 
Do not wait to the last week and then be asking us to how, can we move somebody in and out of the class. If you want to be in, just go ahead and register. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about how to give and receive feedback. We're going to talk about how not to be offended in your marriage. And we're going to talk about how to, dis, how, how to show honor the way your spouse wants to receive honor because men and women receive that differently. So I'm telling you, go ahead and sign up right now for the June 5th Marriage Essentials class is going to be held at 7 p.m. via Zoom. So I think that's all of our announcements. We appreciate you being here this morning. Again, congratulations to all of our high school graduates and all of our college graduates. I know that Autumn graduated. I know Malia graduated. If, if, if I don't know you graduated, send me a message. I'll make sure I shout you out. I know that David graduated. I know that Ariana graduated. I know that Terry graduated. And I know that Marcus graduated. So those are the ones who I know. If Look, if you were in school and we didn't know it and you graduated, send us a message. Let us celebrate you, okay? All right. God bless you. We love you guys immensely. And we will see you. Uh, those of you who are going to the class on Monday, the rest of you, we pray we'll see you on Tuesday night for prayer at 8 p.m. right here. Same bad time, same bad station as always. God bless you. Remember, walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. Still so I got to see that. See, I can't stop the phone shot because she hit. Let me play the 